Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. I use the complete idiot's guide to the Bible. Unqualified. Why can't my kids come into the service? Because we have PG-13 services. Unqualified. That has a nice ring to it. Unqualified. I've always felt that way. It wasn't a compliment. Junior church has taken over. It's designed for elementary kids or junior higher. Who doesn't feel unqualified? It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let us begin. It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Freel. The mail is here! Ooh, you've been very, very clever and I'm not kidding. This is Wretched Radio. The emails we've been receiving. Really good. Really thoughtful. Thank you for sending questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. Jimmy, that means you better have a good one. Load it up front. I do. I do. This one is from Caleb. He says, Todd, how can I discern if my efforts to resist and fight sin them from a genuine desire to honor God, or if they're merely driven by a desire for personal personal gratification through behavioral modification. Yeah, it 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 can get pretty tricky. Them feelings, motivations, what causes you to do the voodoo that you do. I think my first word would be: don't get too hung up on this. I didn't say don't get hung up at all, but not too hung up on this. You're gonna have a hard time deciphering exact. Okay, was I thinking, or was I? Oh, I just said to somebody that I was watching pornography. Did I do that for vainglory or did I, I, I be mindful of it? But don't obsess about it. And if you need help discerning that and you can't figure it out yourself, look out, Jimmy, incoming. A plea for you to be a member of a local church. We bang this drum constantly. And this would be another reminder you need to be in a local church where other people can help you with this. They know how you talk. Hopefully you have meals together and they listen to what you say about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Let them help you. And if you are not a member of a local church, please become a serving member of a Bible-based local church. Jimmy, I don't know if you saw this statistic, but it was something like 50-some percent of people who just do online church They're fully satisfied. Okay, first of all, you're not doing church. You're not doing, you're watching somebody do church, but you're not doing church. That trend needs to end. I didn't say that a church shouldn't put its sermons online or church services online for the shut-ins who can't make it, for those people who are traveling and still want to see familiar faces. Rock on! But that doesn't mean that that is church. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This next question is from Abigail. Todd, is it possible for a Mormon to actually be saved? I know they seem to have a works-based religion, but don't they still read the Bible? Yeah, not as much as they read the Book of Mormon or, or, or the, the Pearl of Great Value or their, their other religious books. So they have multiple holy books, which puts them, of course, outside of Sola Scriptura. They also have Christological heresies, not to mention soteriologically, they are a works-based religion. Can somebody be a Mormon, however, and be saved? I I think we need to carefully state, yes, that can happen. Are you waiting for the conjunction? 
But most likely it's somebody who just got saved. Perhaps they grew up in the Mormon church there. They just got saved. There may be, they need some time to start figuring some things out. There may be some people that love Jesus, but they just don't concern themselves with really much more than that. They might be saved, but an individual who gets saved or is saved inside of the Mormon church, if they learn anything about the basics of the LDS, they would, um, they would have to skedaddle. They would have to go because they would realize, wait a second, this isn't Christianity at all. And if you recall, but a decade ago, Mormons would tell you that we aren't Christians. They decided to change their campaign to become more broadly accepted. Now they do say that they're Christians. Now they do talk like they're amongst us. Why? Because it helps them to grow. But anybody inside of that movement, some, some even argue, I would say it has the marks of a cult. Is it a full-blown cult? Well, when it, you make it hard for somebody to leave or you threaten them that you'll be cut off from business, from relationships, from family, that, that's, that's cult-like behavior. Somebody who is saved inside of that church is going to find themselves a Bible-based church, which they will join and serve just like you should. So can somebody get saved inside of the Mormon? Of course. Are there people sitting in there right now? Yeah. Might there, uh, kind of straining a gnat here, but might there be somebody at the age of 50 saved and they die at the age of 80 inside of the Mormon church? You'd have to say, well, it, yeah, it could happen if somebody isn't paying attention and they are just reading their Bible. They kind of just brush off and think, oh, that's just no big whoop. Uh, maybe, but I wouldn't say that allows us then to say that the Mormon church is anywhere near orthodoxy and doesn't need to be aggressively evangelized. Please send whatever to idea at wretched.org. Okay, you've already talked about online church, but from Roger, Todd, what are your thoughts on online giving? I was always brought up that you put something in the collection plate. <laughs> yeah, can we? can we make it a law to give in church. No, I, I, I don't think that we, well, you could make the argument. I just don't think you could make it a law. We, how, do, how do you say that's probably the right thing to do, but you can't mandate it. I believe the regulative principle helps us. What do we see that God desires in worship? Well, he wants the Bible to be read. He wants the Bible to be exposited. Uh, he wants communion to be observed. He wants prayer to take place. Did I mention the public reading of Scripture? I think I did. And he wants people to give to him. And when we remove giving from the church service, I think we take it outside of that corporate regulated principle that we should be giving. Now, Having said that, is somebody sinning if they give online? No, I don't think they are. But I would say this, you might be missing out. And to the church that has decided, let's not do this public giving thing. It's too awkward, makes visitors feel uncomfortable. Well, I would say visitors, I'm sorry if they feel uncomfortable, but this is an opportunity in a tangible way for the church to say, we love you, Lord. We love you so much. We're giving to you and I am expressing it to you in this public assembly because you love a heart that is giving. So make a law, no. Missing out, yeah. 
idea at wretched.org. All right. So this question is from Dan, Todd. He says, uh, Todd, how should Christians approach the five love languages? Should we distance ourselves from it completely and focus on what the Bible says about love? Or are there some aspects of it we can actually use? Yeah, not completely, but pretty close. Furthermore, we don't need Gary Chapman's love languages. Why? The love languages teach us to study our spouse's needs. They've got different desires. Every person has one of five itches that need scratching. And one of them would actually be itches, physical touch. That's what somebody, oh, that just, when I get held, just makes me feel so good and so safe. That's somebody's love language. Another love language, Jimmy, you taught that class, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. uh, is uh, words of encouragement. That's mine, just so you know. I just, I just want you to, I want to. <laughs> Not very good at love languages, am I? Okay, there's, 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 there's speaking words of encouragement. There's doing, so acts of service. Okay, three is enough because I can't remember the other two. Study what your partner really digs and then do that. And then here's the good news. Your partner is going to want to scratch your itch. And that's why. There is a correct identification in love languages, but the application and the motivation are not biblical because love languages, just like his needs, her needs, you figure out what those things are, you do it for him, and then he'll do it for you. And you can just insert a pronoun if you believe in such a thing these days. That's not Christian. Christianity says, oh, you've got a need, I want to fill it. I, uh, you, you, you've got a, you've got a hole. I want to pour into it because I want to make sure that I'm doing for you what has been done for me by my Savior. In other words, my motivation for performing your love language isn't based on what I'm going to get back. Christianity says you speak somebody's love language because of what you've been given, and whether you get something in return or not is irrelevant. That is why Gary Chapman and uh, Bill Harley, his needs, her needs. Bill was a, I worked with Bill, a very, very nice man. And his wife, Joyce, super sweet people. And he knew that I disagreed with him on his seminal work because we are supposed, men, live with your wife in an understanding way. Okay, that tells me I need to study my wife so that I can do things that encourage her. So I, I don't need to be told that by Gary or by Bill. And I've got enough information from the Bible to tell me that I should be motivated differently to do these things. So are they onto something that people have different love languages and needs? Of course they are. Did they maybe offer a helpful framework for identifying them? Perhaps. But beyond that, I, I, I wouldn't utilize them because... Giving isn't about getting. It's about giving because you've been given. This is Wretched Radio.
Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Hey, I have some news I'm about to share with you that quite possibly could knock you off your feet. We're blowing the doors completely off the Wretched Store. June 12th through the 18th, it is a discount galore. 20% off all books in the Wretched Store. It's like getting every fifth page for free. We're also slashing 33% off all of our video and audio resources, the physical ones that you hold in your hands. But wait, there's more. A jaw-dropping, eye-popping, crazy 50% off all things digital and streaming. And we haven't forgot about our gospel booklets. They are getting their prices trimmed too. Also, if your order tips the scales at $50 or more, we're going to throw in a free streaming of Road Trip to Truth Season 3. Folks, this sale is so big that it has its own zip code. It's the biggest sale we've ever had. It's even bigger than the time we ordered too many books and Todd almost had a panic attack. Make sure you take advantage of it June 12th through 18th at Wretched.org. That's the Wretched store at Wretched.org. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from Preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Books of the Bible. First Samuel tells the story of God's interaction with Israel through the prophet Samuel. When Israel asked for an earthly king, God gave them Saul, who, like Israel, drifted from God's law. So God commanded Samuel to anoint a new king, David, who was a man after God's heart. God does not look on the outward appearance, but on the heart. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Really good work on that, Jimmy. Sorry, we, we're back on the air. Hello, this is Wretched Radio. <laughs> Sorry, you overheard me speaking Jimmy's love language. Why does that feel creepy? <laughs> this is Wretched Radio. What are the other two you Googled? Uh, uh, quality time and gifts. Okay. Yeah. There's more love languages. Mm. There, In fact, you can get really specific. 
vacuum, pick vacuuming. You vacuum and it just makes your spouse happy. You know what you should do? Vacuum. You say, but but she doesn't help me change the oil. That's my love language. Vacuum. <laughs> Why? Because you don't do it to get something in return. That's not Christianity. That's humanism. That, that's, that's really having an, 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 a motive that is not pure. You, I'll do this, but you better give me something because that's my love language. I'd like a little something from Amazon.com, so I'll vacuum for you, but let's just keep this in mind. Synthetic oil. Don't forget that. Please send uh, whatever you want. Questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right. This one is from Philip. Todd, recently I've seen a rise in podcasts, YouTube channels, and documentaries tackling criminal cases and the like. Do you think this obsession that many people have with feeling the need to know about serial killers and other murderers is wise for Christians? Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a really well phrased question, too. We probably, probably would do well to apply what I think is a decent rule. If you see a cultural trend, there's a reason for it. And it means that if the culture is digging it in a, in a mass way, it probably means I have a temptation to want to participate in that too. So what is it about watching serial killer stories or the, what is it, 48 hours? Uh, Dateline. Dateline. Mm -hmm, You know what? I got to tell you. Sir, if your wife is listening to Dateline a lot, mine is sleep with one eye open. That's all I'm saying to you. What is it about it that we want to know? Now, in fairness, I think it could be rather benign. Well, it's just it's it's interesting to me. That's true. It is interesting. But isn't it a wee bit dark? I, I, I understand that there can be some drama you're trying to solve, oh, who was it really the next door neighbor? Or was it the business partner that was involved in the shenanigans? I, I understand that. And I wouldn't make a law on it, but I do think we are commanded to dwell on things that are murderous, suspicious, conniving, and Jimmy, who put the Passion Bible in front of me? That's not at all what Paul said. <laughs> dwell on things that are pure, lovely. Worthy of praise. That's what we should be consuming. Why? Because it's good for us. Because what you put in is what's going to come out. So if you're watching a lot of dark stuff, chances are it gets into us. Okay, here's an example of how much culture gets into it. You might like to think, dear Christian, that you're immune to the influences of our world. I've been noticing something with all of the trans talk and more, mostly the trans talk. Have you noticed that we are talking about subjects and hearing words used that we would have blanched at but two years ago? The the body part business and using those words and uh, what some of those actions are being described with words where we would have once recoiled. Now it's like, yeah, well, you know, just another situation that we're dealing with. Whoa, 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 whoa. What happened? Well, the culture. It has an impact. It just keeps banging the drum and we keep hearing it and it eventually kind of gets in there. Now, maybe you're not going to bang the drum with them, but it is going to influence you. I think it is a reasonable observation that evangelicals have probably been sullied by the trans talk more than we realize. And that our thinking, if, if our mouths are starting to use those words a little bit more casually, it's because we're more accepting of them. 
and that talk starts to inform our thinking. And the same thing would be true with the Dateline, 48 Hours shows, whatever they're called. I just think it's dark and it's not bright and it's not lovely and it can contaminate you in some way, shape or form. And most likely, if you're watching a lot of it, it already is. For instance, what might be a manifestation of an individual who watches a whole lot of these murder mysteries? Well, they start to become suspicious of people. Perhaps they start to impugn ulterior motives to people. Perhaps they start thinking, well, I know what's going on in that marriage. Or you even go further than that. You know what? That's just like what I saw in the 40 and maybe even darker. And maybe, for instance, you get so accustomed to murder that it lowers your view of the Imago Day. That's why I have an issue with most, not all, but most of the video games that people dig. It is an obliteration of Imago Day. Just shoot them up. Bang, bang, bang. By the way, if you're going to shoot somebody, you got to turn your hand sideways because we all know that's the most accurate way to fire a pistol. <laughs> it's not, but I guess it looks cool. And that, there's another example. When you see these people, sometimes you, we, the, we see these news stories where somebody shot somebody in public, they got their hand turned sideways. Uh, nobody instructs an individual who's learning how to fire a weapon to hold their firearm that way. Where'd they get it? They were influenced by videos. And I think that's the problem with the murder show business. Disagree? Fine. Idea at wretched.org. Jimmy, you disagree with me? I, I don't disagree with you. Would you, you make a law? <sighs> No, I don't think I would make a law, but I mean, I, I, you'd encourage. Yeah, because even from the murder mysteries or the or, or those kind of crime podcasts, when you watch those dark shows, the very violent shows, because I know there's some people out there that say it's OK for Christians to watch that type of stuff because they can separate. Sure. And all I, look, I know personally from early in my my uh, walk that I did watch those things and people that I thought I had forgiven I found myself getting angry at again. Yeah, that, that you know what? That could be a manifestation of, of having your thinking informed by something that is darker. Right. Uh, now, here might be a way to, to maybe bolster the position that we, should, we would do better to abstain. What are you watching? Like, well, it's a murder mystery. No, no, no. Let's use words to describe it. it, it it's, it's not just solving a crime. It is a human being who took the life of another human being. Here, now just hang in there. I always find it helpful to replace one sin with another because sometimes we have a tendency to not see how egregious one sin is unless we, come, we, we replace it with another sin. You know, there's these rape podcasts, that the tales of it, and oh, you get to solve it. So it's just solving a, a, a rape crime. You'd go, no, no, no. Why? Well, because that's a sin. Bingo. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This next question is from Ethan. Todd, what scripture is the most powerful rendition of the gospel that you know to utilize on people who idol worship like Muslims or Buddhists? Well, I guess I'd have to go to the Ten Commandments. <laughs> <laughs> I would have you can you can find hundreds of verses. I am the Lord. There is no other. Do not make a graven image. Do not give your affections to any other. You, you, will not, you will not lack verses that make it clear. But I, I like to even go, I don't want to say a step further because the Bible is the biggest step that you can take. But 
Here's a question to ponder. If you believe that all roads lead to God, if, if, if your God, just blasphemous, your God, and you sent your beloved son to go to earth knowing that he was going to be brutally beaten, whipped, scourged, nailed to a tree, his life would be sacrificed for the lives of sinners. You went through that trouble. You raised him from the dead, ascended into heaven. But if you want to be a Buddhist, that's fine. You would not say that. You would go, no, 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 no. Look, th th this, is, this is what I've done. You should give your affections to me. was just working on this. I'm trying to get, I'm basically rewriting a book that I've already written. The, the goal of it is to help us bridge the gap between knowledge and living. That our theology actually invades everything about our lives. Trying to, trying to make that connection. And, and the, the issue of God's own love is what moved him to send his son. And he then, therefore, states, give your affections to me and to no other. And Richard Dawkins would say, well, that would make him a meg megalomaniacal dictator. No, it would, it would make him in keeping with his nature. The one who is best, the one who is the most loving, is going to insist that people partake of what is best. And the best is himself. And for him to point us in another direction would be to give us a lesser thing. Furthermore, when it comes to deities, okay, you want one? Isaiah and Jeremiah and Psalm maybe 135, might be 139. Just the, the, the absolute sarcastic mockery. You carve out a, a, a deity from a piece of wood and it can't even get to the altar for you to worship it. And you're, you're, you're going to be, you worship them, you're going to become just like them. Because that's the lesser, that they don't even exist. And so God is kind to demand, no, me, me, because I'm best. Because if he allowed us to worship anything less, he wouldn't be who he is. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, first, did you know that free speech is such a big deal in the city of Seattle that it allows its citizens to damage the property of other people? Because not doing so could limit free speech. What am I talking about specifically? Well, U.S. District Judge Marsha Peckman has given graffiti artists of the city of Seattle a free pass, ruling that Seattle's graffiti laws are too vague and could limit free speech. So every property from coffee shops to residential homes are now potential canvases because free speech. Well, next we get some leadership wisdom from none other than the U.S. Space Force. General Deanna Byrd enlightened us with an interesting recruitment strategy. Apparently, in order to enter the U.S. Space Force, you're not just vetted on job performance or experience, but also your personal circumstances and your family. So for anyone thinking about applying to the U.S. Space Force, make sure that if you have any family members with controversial opinions or embarrassing Christmas sweaters or the proclivity to vacuum at odd hours of the nights, you're probably not going to make the cut. 
Moving on, we go to Iowa, where the Supreme Court has upheld a lower court ruling blocking the state's six-week abortion ban. The court split three to three, letting the lower court's decision stand. Iowa's Republican Governor Kim Reynolds was understandably disappointed, remarking that the decision not only disregarded Iowa voters, but also contradicted principles recently upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, speaking of pro-life, a developing story from Oklahoma where the Biden administration has pulled $4.5 million in funding from the state's family planning services program. Well, the official reason is that the state is out of compliance with federal standards. The real reason, the Biden administration is punishing the pro-life state. And in other news, a former teammate of William Thomas, a.k.a. Leah, Paula Scanlon recently pulled back the curtain on the University of Pennsylvania's approach to the transgender-identifying athlete competing on the women's swim team. Scanlon said that the university not only allowed Thomas to compete against women, but pressured the women's swim team into absolute silence. And lastly, in case you haven't heard, the physician-assisted suicide law in the state of Hawaii was recently adjusted to shorten the waiting period for obtaining lethal drugs from 20 days to just five. I guess patience not a virtue in the state of Hawaii. And that's been your latest Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Revelation. How can anyone know God unless he reveals himself? If God did not speak, religion would be nothing more than man's best guess. But God has revealed himself in creation, in the Bible, and in the person of Jesus Christ. We can know God, and we can be brought into right standing with him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. <laughs> it's Okay, if you disagree with me, I, I might make you apostate, but fine, disagree and send it in writing to idea at wretched.org where we accept questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, even disagreements. Idea at wretched.org. All righty. Well, this one is from Lee. It's not a disagreement, but it is a question. Is an adverb? I'm kidding, Lee. <laughs> Uh, how can Todd, how can I provide helpful counsel to an unsaved friend who is seeking advice for her anger issues without relying on the Bible uh, and the promises of the Bible that don't apply to her because yeah, she's not yet a believer? Yeah, you can't do it. You, you can't. You, you have nothing to offer. Now, could you give some life hacks that somebody might apply? Sure. But there's a heart of anger. Anger doesn't come out of nowhere. It's a fruit of a mischievous root. And there's something theological that is buried underneath the soil that the biblical counselor digs up and goes to work on the root to change the fruit. This is the beauty of biblical counseling. And that is why if you've got an unsafe friend, you could teach them these things, but don't expect them to be received by them because these are it's bigger than just dealing with cognitive behavioral therapy. That's what secularists do. Well, we're just going to come up with a system so that when you feel like this, you do that, it'll snap you back into balance. That isn't even remotely close to Christianity, which deals with the heart. So what might I say to somebody? Friend, you know I'm a Christian. So I'm just going to give you a Christian perspective on this. I, I, I understand anger because um, I have a propensity to be able, we all do. 
But the Bible teaches us that it is the heart that is the source of what comes out of our mouths or what we do with our hands. So according to the Bible, there is something that is motivating this. And I can give you some examples of what it might be. Uh, For instance, it could be pride. And when somebody doesn't live up to your standard or treats you the way that you believe that you should be treated, or they don't talk about you or think about you at the same level you think about yourself, that could be causing your anger. That's pride. Uh, it, 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 it could be that you are ungrateful and that when you see somebody else having something, you get mad about it because you aren't content. And you could go on and on with the list of some of the roots that exist. But the bottom line is, I can't help you. Nobody can help you with that. All you can learn are some life principles that you are just going to have to grind through. I would encourage you to take a look at Christ and see him for who he is. Understand your need for a Savior who died for your sins and who promises going to go to work on those things. He's going to help you with your anger. And he's going to change fury into into fruits like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He offers so much. Uh, And I would also have to tell you, because you don't want to miss a case to a chance to evangelize, your anger is just one of your myriad sins that are going to be judged one day. You, you've got so many more problems. We all do. We all did. We all need Jesus. That's how I'd be inclined to approach it as I stand behind a microphone in a room without an actual person being in front of me. Please send whatever you want to to idea at wretched.org. All right. This next question comes from Bryce. Dot, after Jesus was born to Mary in the flesh as a baby, was he aware of his identity as the son of God or did he grow as the rest of us in those things revealed to him by the father? Always want to be so careful when you start getting into the business of understanding the mind of God and even understanding the ontological nature of Jesus Christ. Just know There are landmines everywhere, so you need to proceed with a great deal of caution. So let's let's see what the Bible says, and then let's understand the nature of Jesus Christ. We see that Jesus was born in a stable, and what do we see there? We see a baby who actually crying he did make, because that's how babies express their needs. It isn't sinful to do that. That's how they communicate. Their vocabulary pretty small. So Jesus the man had to learn the language. Jesus, the man, had to learn the Bible. Jesus, the man, had to learn a trade. And that's what the Bible tells us. He grew in stature and wisdom. This this, this was the 12-year-old Jesus. He grew in stature and wisdom. And you say, well, wait a second. But he's God, right? Exactly. And that's what leads us to our creedal statements about the nature of Jesus Christ. That God is 100, that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. And those two natures dwelling in one man don't mix and mingle, which means you don't have yourself a Superman or a demigod. You've got yourself something unique in the person of Jesus Christ. There are demigods. There are superheroes. 
there's only one Jesus who's fully God, fully man. And, and there's, a, there's a need for him to be the way that he is because we need an actual representative. You see, a lamb couldn't get the job done when it came to forgiving our sins because they're, they're, they're not a human. They don't represent us. We need a man to represent us. And Jesus is fully man. But we need a sacrifice greater than a man. He's fully God. And so when you see Jesus in the manger, you can think of it like this. Even while he's perhaps crying, hungry, he would need to have a nappy change. He was a real human being and he had to learn stuff. While he was simultaneously upholding the universe by the word of his power, because the ontological nature of Jesus is a hypostatic union, fully God, fully man. And if you'd like to read this and just get it really banged into your noodle, the Athanasian Creed and the Chalcedonian Creed will help you a lot. And please note, the early church deemed this issue is of such importance. You got to have this right. Otherwise, you're outside of small o orthodoxy. Please send stuff to idea at wretched.org. And could I just, Jimmy, huh? I'm not sure that I could enhance those amazing words that were just spoken, but isn't it, isn't it interesting and encouraging to think there really is no other Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm. There's nobody out there who's like, no, look, you see, I know I look like a human being, but I'm like totally God. No, they, they would say I, I'm a divine being, perhaps. And they wouldn't, and they might say, I have supernatural strength, but nobody claims I'm fully God, fully man simultaneously. Isn't that nice to know that our God is unique? Idea at wretched.org. All right. This next question comes from Ben. Todd, my father. I'm sorry, from a bin? Ben. What, what, you take a question out of a bucket? Ben, Ben. Ben. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, I see. Yeah. So he says, my father has a tendency to misuse Bible verses by taking them out of context to support his beliefs. So would it be dishonoring to confront him in those circumstances and encourage a discussion about the true meaning of the text? Yeah, we'll define confront. (laughs) He's an elder. He's your dad. You should honor him. We are told if we're going to correct a pastor and we can, how? Meekness and humility. Treat him like a father. So sure. Hey, Pop, you know, you you were using that verse. I was reading my MacArthur study Bible. Take a look at this footnote. See what it says there about that understanding of that verse? Dad, isn't that amazing? And wouldn't it be great if a bunch of people in the Philippines had a MacArthur study Bible so that they could gently and lovingly and respectfully correct their parents when they get an interpretation wrong? which they could actually do by visiting wretched.org slash Bible and sending as many MacArthur study Bibles as you possibly can to the Philippines. We're getting so close, y'all. So close. Might I be mm, potentially crude enough by, by stating, if, if you happen to I'd like to encourage you to send Bibles to our brothers and sisters in the Philippines, if you can, if you can. You're, you're given to your local church first. So if you can, and if that means one Bible, praise God. But if you happen to be an individual who maybe has been giving to your church already, and you have the means to send a lot of Bibles, 
and you could put us over the 10,000 Bible mark, would like to encourage you to consider doing that because I, I wish you could see the videos because these sweet people in the Philippines, they're actually in good Bible teaching churches, TMII, Masters Academy International Churches. They're in good churches and they can't afford a Bible. Oh, they're, they're, I would so love a MacArthur. They've seen them. They, they've maybe even used the pastors perhaps, but you know, there's actually a lot of pastors that don't have one either. We're, we're going to try to change that too. In fact, what we'd like to do after we send a lot of Bibles is to figure out a way, how can we get commentary sets into the hands of the pastors that are getting trained at the Master's Academy International? So if you can help with that effort, whether it is one, whether it is a thousand, please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible. This is Wretched Radio. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry, Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry, 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-BIBLE. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Ratchet Radio today. And I want to say thank you to our ongoing monthly gospel partners. You guys are the bee's knees, the creme de la creme, the top-notch supporters. And you are the ones that keep us going strong. We're incredibly grateful for your unwavering commitment to standing firm with us and reaching millions of people worldwide. In fact, Josh wrote in to say, quote, Thank you for airing the content of faithful preachers. Ratchet has served as a valuable resource to me for doctrine, teaching, cultural engagement, your support is what makes that possible. So thank you, Gospel Partner, for continuing to stand firm with us. Together, we're making a difference, and we just want to ask for your ongoing commitment in continuing to support the ministry here at Wretched. Now, if you're not already a monthly Gospel Partner, would you prayerfully consider becoming one? Just log on to wretched.org slash donate or text the word Wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing Gospel. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? 
Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hermeneutics a vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in Scripture is an epistle. Epistles are letters written to the church at large or to a specific church which contain doctrine, theological arguments, and practical application. God uses first century correspondence to deliver His timeless truth. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Someday... Radio. That is the number of the old toll-free, which thankfully has a very large storage system because somebody hasn't been checking the voicemail lately. I'm not suggesting who it might be, Jimmy Hicks, but apparently nobody's been tending to the phones. Why might that be, sir? Well, I was watching the SBC annual oh, meeting. I see. You were... I was watching TV all You week. were basically <laughs> watching TV. Please call one 877 Jimmy, we talked about what I thought was the big stuff. Uh-huh. I mean, I, you know, I just let the big stories kind of bubble to the surface. And the one that I think was most crucial for the future health of the SBC, the role of women in the church, uh, we tackled that. But was there anything that we potentially missed that you thought in your hours and hours of watching TV that maybe was worthy of commenting on? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, and you know, different people are going to have different answers about what was important and what was not. But I thought it was uh, rather important that uh, that Southern Baptists voted in uh, on a statement on AI. And I think seriously, yeah, I think that the first denomination of their kind, uh, or first denomination period, to to have a statement on AI. Now wait a second. Now this now this is a big change for the SBC because historically. Plagiarism wasn't a big deal, but now are they warning people, be careful, don't be leaning on AI to write your sermon, unless, of course, the AI is actually JDGI. <laughs> I get it. Then, then, it, <laughs> then you can use it for writing your sermon. So that, was that it? Basically, hey, look out for AI. There are some dangers to it. Or did they get into some of the more, and I, and I don't mean this in a like mocking way, but into some of the more fantastic futuristic predictions about AI in that there are people who are trying to basically create an electronic deity. In fact, what was that one store? Oh, I got it somewhere in my pile here that a guy, don't worry, it was on the internet. So it's a credible source. A guy was talking about, Hey, maybe we'll finally have a really good Bible because now AI can write a Bible. No, actually it can't. It can glean information and it can cobble something together based on the way it was programmed by a, oh, what are those called? Human. That's all it can do. But it's not going to write a divinely inspired book because it's not divine, despite some of the futuristic warnings. Okay, so, Jimmy, what was the concern of the SBC? Yeah, basically saying that, uh, you know, while AI could be helpful, um, it does raise some uh, crucial questions that, that challenge society's false assumptions about what it means to be a human, which are often rooted merely in human capacities. You know, I am, okay, 
I'm thrilled that they're doing that. That's actually some smart stuff. Now, I don't know how what level that was written at, but the issue of anthropology is huge these days that we have lost a definition for humanity. You see the blurring in the trans movement. That That's just one manifestation of it, the low view of humans, which leads to things like, you know, aborting them because they're just blobs of tissue. So we do need a robust anthropology. And the Southern Baptist Convention, well, look at that. It was a good convention for the Southern Baptists. Well done. Eventually, Jimmy will take your phone call at one 282 is congratulating homosexual and lesbian couples on their wedding anniversaries when they're your family okay? No, I'm afraid not. I, I get it. That's hard. Uh, I, I don't think we can because they're sinning. And you wouldn't congratulate. Hey, congratulations on the successful bank robbery. Way to go, guys. You would know. And what they're what they're doing by joining together, what God has not wanted put together in a one flesh union uh, is a sin. So I just don't think that you can do that. I dance or OK, what about giving them a present? I'd struggle to do that, too, because that is a tangible affirmation of a sin. And this might be yet another one of those issues where Jesus was absolutely prophetic. Father, son. Mothers, daughters, spouses dividing over Jesus. One eight seven seven two eight two. Hey Todd, just a question. Um, our pastor resigned about a month ago. Preaching is done by uh, supply preachers, and it's getting real tough to listen to. And <laughs> I'm wondering, is it right to go to another church where I know there's sound? preaching taking place until we find a new pastor at my local congregation. Well, obviously, if the preaching is heretical, that's suddenly a different paradigm that you're dealing with. But I'm going to assume just based on the 26 seconds you were able to share that if you're you've got some preachers coming in and they're just not very good, I would encourage you to stay with your local church and just and just you're committed to it. And, and, and you don't want other people to fall, start falling away. You'll be giving people permission to just kind of clock out and check out. It, it can be hard. I get that. You can do some supplementary feeding throughout the course of the week by listening to other people preach. But here is an issue, though, that I would want to address. And that is the fervency that the elders are applying to find a Bible-based preacher. If it's loosey-goosey and there's no end, I think that if I, if I were, my family were in that church, I'd want to sit down with the elders to say, hey, gang, committed to the church, so grateful for your service. I, I suspect you realize some of the preaching has been, well, not, it's been milk. Let's just be charitable. And my family needs more than that. And I, I need more than that. So I'm wondering what the strategy is and how intensely you are going about making sure that we got ourselves a Bible-based preacher. And if the answer is, oh, this is what we're doing. We've got that. We're studying this. We got that guy. We're talking to this person. You can go, okay, I'll chill. I look forward to having a new pastor in the pulpit. When do you think that might be? And let them say, well, we're, we're thinking, you know, it's going to still take a few months and the guy's got to move. I think you should stay put. Now, if they're ambivalent, well, you know, we're kind of, but you know, and, well, Jim's wife, she knows a guy 
whose brother is going to seminary and, and it's like, oh, gentlemen, if, if there isn't a better plan, I, I, I'm responsible for my family. And, and if they're not being fed here, I'm going to have to go someplace else. And I don't want to do that. Can you please expedite this a bit? Methinks that's how I would approach it. As I stand here in a room by myself behind a microphone. Hey, John, this is John in Boise, Idaho. I, I just was hearing your program where you were lamenting the loss of membership at the SBC. And while I, I would agree with you that on the surface, if they're leaving the body of Christ, that's obviously a horrendous thing. Yeah. And we pray that that doesn't happen. But on the flip side, if they're just fed up with the SBC garbage and they just find another place to worship, isn't that a valid move? In other words, is it all doom and gloom? Yeah, very fair. Uh, it, the, ans- the answer is you would leave that up to the individual. If they make a decision that is best for their family that involves being outside of the SBC, they, oh, they, they certainly do have liberty to do that. We've talked about how that move can be made. It's not a, not a quick step that should be taken. But yes, sir. You are correct. Uh, Let me just add to it, because I do think I'm really glad you called, sir, because I do think we're going to see more attrition. Was just reading Jimmy up in Gainesville, Uh, First Baptist Church. That's a big church up there. It is. They basically said, hey, SBC just said we're out. Basically, because they have female pastors. I went to their website. They've got past women pastors, women directors, women ministers. Hmm. And they're basically saying so. Most likely, it was the first letter that was written by the by the pastor to get the congregation talking about leaving the SBC. And there's going to be a lot of churches doing that. It is believed, nobody knows the statistics for sure, that there could be hundreds of SBC churches, maybe as many as 1,200 churches that have women pastors. Whoa. And if they leave, you're going to see some attrition in the SBC. So don't, don't, and here's, here's what people are going to say. This, this is what the egalitarians are going to say. When the numbers come out that the number of churches perhaps is down, the number of members is down. See? See, they should have voted egalitarian. Don't let, them, don't let them hoodwink you. There's a lot of reasons that people leave churches. A lot of reasons. One of the reasons, sir, what you mentioned. And another reason is going to be that people are going to leave because they don't like how biblical the SBC is being. Hey, God, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. When someone says the exclamation, oh, my Word, yeah, wouldn't that be using the Lord's name in vain? Yeah, most likely it is. They're called minced oaths, and there's tons of them. The other day, I actually thought of one that was like, I, I, and I'm not going to share it because that would be too base, but there was a, somebody used a word and I thought, was that a, a minced oath where you just kind of twist God's name a little bit? So many of these, you know, these, these expressions of disgust, they sound eerily similar to the name of Christ or God. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, what, what is that? It's a minced oath. Could it be when somebody says, oh, my word, that they are referring to John 1-1? I don't know the etymology, but it most definitely is a possibility, if not a downright likelihood, because people sure do love their minced oaths. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.